You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. If you have a Bible and uh, we want you to turn to James chapter 4, we're looking at verses 13 through 17 today. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word, there should be a Bible in the front just underneath the chairs where you're sitting. You can grab that or if you know the person beside you and they've got one, just lean in a little bit closer or look up your electronic device, whatever you're using uh, this morning. Uh, welcome to Sunday. Welcome to church. Hasn't it been great to be here already? Yes, it has been. It's been great. Just amazing to see the testimonies of baptisms, the testimony of faith, what God is doing in the lives of so many people. I'm, I'm glad you're here because that means you made it through the week, right? You made it through this past week with all of his problems, with all of his questions, with all of his decisions you had to make, all the steps, next steps you had to decide whether you were going to make or not. You made it. And now you're here in this place together with God's people, and we're here to reorient our minds, to refocus our minds on what's important, the cross and the gospel and what God's word has to say to us. So Let's do that together. Students, I want to welcome you back. Those of you that have been in university and college and maybe away from us for the last number of months, I'm very aware of the fact that you just finished writing exams. Woohoo! <laughs> I thought I'd get a little more, like, you know, a little more interaction from the university students. No, 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 no. I meant, I thought the university students were going, that's right, I'm done. Right? But you've got questions, right? Like, did I do well? Did I. Did I not do well? Like, did I pass all my classes? What's my summer job going to be like? There's these questions that you have. Parents, you've spent the week driving your kids there and everywhere, uh, juggling your work schedules. You've, got, you've, you've been working grocery lists, to-do lists. You've been doing all these different things. Stresses in your relationships, just wondering if you're doing enough for your kids. Are you helping them navigate the world that they are living in today, yeah, wow, it's, there's a lot going on, isn't there? Many of us are wondering about the changing economy, like do I have a, enough money to live on, do I have enough money to live on through retirement, all these different kinds of things. We are faced with so many different pressures and problems and questions and even opportunities, decisions that we have to make. So how should we live our everyday life with all of these questions and problems and opportunities and decisions and next steps that have to be taken. Well, here in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, James helps us by warning us. There's a warning. He warns us about the times when we tend to take control when we should be trusting in God who is always in control. So let's read God's word and then we'll dive into it. You ready? All right. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. James chapter 4, verse 13. He says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make, make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. 
as it is you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right things to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This is the word of the Lord. James tells us, and God is telling us through the words of James, he's telling us this, that we can have a misplaced confidence in ourselves. We see that in verses 13, verses 14, and verses 16. When we are facing all the different things that we have to face in our lives, there's a tendency at times for us to rely on our own energy, our own efforts, our own initiative, our own insight, our own ingenuity, our own creativity, and our own plans to navigate our everyday lives. James is speaking to a specific group of people in the church. He says in verse 13, he, come now, you who say. There's these people who are saying this thing, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. They are the business people in the life of the church. He's speaking specifically to them, people who perhaps saw an opportunity to expand their business or maybe just start a new business, and they've come up with this foolproof plan. My parents always told me if it sounds too good to be true, it probably isn't true. They've made their pitch, and they're confident that it's going to work. Do you see it? Do you see the steps? They've got these steps. It's like they've got like it's like they they're like they're in a boardroom, man, and they've got these like charts, and they're going here's step number one. They say, and so here's step number one. He says we're gonna go into such and such a town. I mean, they don't even name the town. Basically, they're saying, you know, it could be Calgary, it could be Toronto, it could be Moose Jaw. It doesn't really matter. This plan is so foolproof; it'll work anywhere. Right? We're just going to go into such and such a place and do that. That's step number one. Step number two is we're going to spend a year. They know exactly how long it's going to take for them to do what they want to see getting done. And then step number three is they're going to, we'll trade, okay? And you say, well, can you be a little more specific? No, we're just going to trade. That's the plan. We've got our stuff. We're going to trade our stuff. And then step number four is what everybody wants to live with, and that is the results of the plan, and that is we're going to make a boatload of cash, man. We're going to make a profit. That's it. Step one, step two, step three, yoo-hoo, step four. Amazing. Amazing. All we have to do is work the plan, run the play, work the plan, run the play, work the plan, run the play. You know, every once in a while, you, you'll meet someone that's so confident in their plan. Over the years, I've had um, the privilege to meet with many young married couples, okay, many of them, and um, occasionally, occasionally, a couple will come in, they're not married yet, and they're about to be married, and they'll tell me what their five-year plan is. Yeah, so I'll just kind of entertain them and say, wow, what would that be? Like, tell me, tell me exactly what that'd be. Well, you know, and and uh, in year one, we're going to get really good paying jobs. So, oh, okay, that's, that sounds really interesting. And then, and then what's going to happen? Well, then we're going to travel. So, oh, okay, you're going to travel. Then what's going to happen? Well, then we're going to buy a house. Oh, so, okay, real, wow. 
They're going to buy a house, okay? Then, then what's going to happen? Well, yeah, around year five, we'll have our first child. I said, oh, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's great. So I'm, I'm, it's about that moment where I'm wondering, should I burst their bubble or not burst their bubble? You know, kind of idea. So I'm trying to try to be gracious. James has listened to these people. They're talking about their plan, this ironclad plan, this foolproof plan that they have. And, and, and he says, you know, well, well, you know, like, just, can we just hold on for a second? Sometimes things don't work out the way you think they're going to work out. And what, this is what he does in verse 14. In verse 14, he introduces them, to them a couple of their variables. Hey, you know, can we just stop for a second? Maybe you should think about these two things. It's like he's, he's poking holes in their confidence towards their plan. And this is how he does it in verse 14. He says, he starts, first of all, with the uncertainty of life. Have you thought about this? Right? Look at what he says in verse 14. He says, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You know, we all love weather forecasters. <laughs> right? We, you know, one of the first things most people do uh, when they're starting their day is they'll go to the weather app and say, they'll click on the weather app, what's today's weather going to be like? Oh, you're on TV, you know, the only reason you watch news on the TV is so you can listen to the weather guy tell you about what the day has been and what the day is going to be next time. You know, you gotta, and I got to admit, weather forecasting today is so much better than what it used to be 25 years ago. And 25 years ago, it was like they said something and you said, that's not going to happen. You just automatically said, that's not going to happen. Now you're kind, of, you're kind of wondering about it. But still, here's the point. When a person does weather forecasting, what do we know is true? It might not be right. My brother-in-law is uh, in the business of business forecasting. He actually works for a digital company in the United States, a worldwide company in their cell division. And his job, is this is an amazing job, his job is actually to try to forecast what the business is going to look like five, six, seven, eight months away from where it is right now. He does research. He looks at trends. He examines uh, uh, competitors. He does all these things. And he puts all of his analysis together, and he sends out his analysis to his bosses and said, here's some recommendations. This is what I think is going to happen. And so it brings great delight for me to say about my brother-in-law today. He's not always right. He's not always right. And we know that's true, right? We know that's true. You can make an educated guess, but none of us knows what tomorrow's going to bring. Proverbs 27, verse 1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. You have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Zero, zero faith and confidence on what's going to happen tomorrow. You just don't know. Uncertainty is built into life. You cannot remove the uncertainty to life. That's what James is saying. He's saying to them, listen, I know you're really confident about what you think is going to happen, but you've got to understand, you don't really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And then he introduces this second thing here in verse 14. He talks not only about the uncertainty of life, but he talks about the brevity of life. He says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes, he says. And what is your life? He asks that question. For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. It's like he's saying we're like mist. You know the morning mist? I love morning mist. 
Love these kinds of pictures of the morning mist. But guess what happens? The sun rises in the sky. And what happens to the mist? It gets burned off and it's gone. It's gone. That's what our lives are like. You say, really? Yeah, really. Our lives are, are like the mist, right? It's the, the mist in the morning where the sun comes up and it, it, it gets burned off. Look at Psalm 102, verse 3. Psalm 102, 3 says, For my days pass away like smoke. Verse 11 of Psalm 102 says, My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. You know, I know that's true. In our heads, in all of our heads, we know that we're not going to live forever, right? But we act like we have all the time in the world. You have no idea. I have no idea whether we have a year or two or three, let alone an hour or two or three. They are confident in themselves. They, they're confident in their plan. But that confidence, as James says, is actually unfounded. Life is uncertain and life is brief. That's what he says here in verse, verse 14. And then he says this in verse 16. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. He's really now speaking about I know I know I skipped verse 15. We're coming back to it. He's really saying here in verse 16, the problem here is not about your plan. The problem is about who you're placing your confidence in. The flow of this passage goes really nicely. It starts... Come now, you who say, in verse 13. Then it says in verse 15, instead, you ought to say. And then it says in verse 16, as it is, you boast. What he says in verse 13 and verse 16, they go together. They kind of serve as a sandwich around the point that he's making in verse 15. And he's saying this, the real issue, the real issue isn't that you have a plan, but it's who you're placing your confidence in. And the fact that you're boasting in your own arrogance shows that you're placing your confidence in yourself and not in God. Now, think about how odd it would be. Now that we are in our 20th year as a church, we're going to celebrate next April our 20th anniversary, our 20th birthday. Pastor Robbie told us about that a couple of weeks ago. It's going to be super exciting, and it'll be, it'll be great to be able to do that together. But would you not find it odd that if on that day in April, somebody actually stood up in front of all of us and started to recount and said, this is, I want to tell you all the things that we did. All the things that we did, right? Like, um, you know, we had this core group that started. We, we, we were pretty amazing. You know, this group of people that got together. Then we launched. Wow, that was so. Look at what we did through the launch. We started out at Lakeshore, and then we, we moved here to Burl Oak. We bought the property here. We, we built it, and, and we raised money, and we paid off the debt. And we, we've seen thousands of baptisms. I mean, we, I mean, we must be pretty amazing if all these people are getting baptized. We planted a bunch of churches. Aren't we amazing? You would have to say that would be somewhat ridiculous, right? Please say yes. Thank you. <laughs> to be able to stand on the stage and say, wow, we are awesome. 
You say, that's ridiculous. All credit and glory goes to the Lord. It all goes to his faithfulness. Well, that attitude needs to move beyond church into our everyday life. Let's say you're in a parent-teacher meeting, right? You say, okay, I'm supposed to go to room 216. You go down to the school, room 216, to meet one of your kid's teachers, and, and, you, go, and you go in there, and all of a sudden the teacher starts just, just heaping praise on your kids. Like, wow, your kids are amazing. They're the most behaved kids. And then you check the number of the, the 216. And t- am I... Like, am I in the right classroom? You know, kind of idea. You're just kind of thinking about all that kind of stuff. And they, go, they say, man, like, I don't know what you're doing at home, but, man, you're doing everything. You've got to be doing everything right. You're just amazing. You're awesome. You, you just keep up the good work. This is so, so amazing. And all of a sudden, you start walking out of the classroom, and you're going, wow, man. And, man, if there's a parent of the year award, bring it on right now. Yes, we need to give honor where honor is due. I do believe that to be true. But every single parent in this room knows all but the grace of God. Or maybe you're running your business and you've had a really an awesome year, just a really great year. It's been an amazing year. Maybe last year wasn't that good and you, you, last year you decided to do some really serious planning, you set some goals, you executed the plan, and you've blown, pla- blown past your financial project- projections. And, and, and you stand up in front of your team, and you say, wow, look at what we've done. We're so awesome. This reminds me of King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. After, David has, after Daniel has warned him, he says, in Daniel chapter 4, verse 29, at the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? And while the words were still in the king's mouth, they hadn't even left his mouth, God rips him out of his role. And it says in Daniel chapter 4, he was driven out from among men. He ate grass like an ox. His hair grew long. His nails were like bird's claws. Why? Because he's boasting in his arrogance. I love what James says. You see, they're boasting in their arrogance. Now, they weren't just arrogant. They were boasting in their arrogance. And he says this, that kind of boasting is evil. It's evil. When we have a misplaced confidence in ourselves, right? When we're boasting in our arrogance and our own ability. This is not. This has got to. There's, there's no. There's no. There's no secular sacred divide here. Like this is like all of life, all of life. So we have this tendency to have this misplaced confidence, but what we need is we need a strong conviction in God, and he gives us that in chapter 4, verse 15. You see what he says in verse 15? He says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. This is what you ought to say. If the Lord wills, that's the Latin phrase, Deo Valente, Deo Valente. Hughes reminds us that many of the Puritan 
writers when they were writing letters to one another, expressing their intentions either to come visit one another or whatever, they would always, at the, and many of them, at the end of their letters, they would put the initials D.V. That, that represented the Latin phrase Deo Valente, which means God willing. God willing. It's like what you might do, right? Some of us might do that when we say to somebody, hey, I'm looking forward to see you tomorrow. I'm looking forward to going on this trip or I'm anticipating that this might happen. You, some of us say, Lord willing, Lord willing, God willing, that's Deo Valente. I mean, I love it. When you teach a class, you give somebody a phrase. You, go, you leave here today, just remember this. Deo Valente, God willing, Lord willing. James is saying to these business people, instead... Instead of what you're saying, instead of boasting in your own arrogance, instead of boasting in your own plans, in your own energy, in your own insight, in your own initiative, in your own ingenuity, you should be saying, Deo Valente, Lord willing, God willing. This is not a tagline that you add to every single statement. It's a conviction. It's a conviction. We say these words after the things that we talk about because it reminds us of a conviction. And the conviction is this. Nothing happens. There is no outcome in my life but by God. God willing. God willing. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, when Paul is writing this rich theological statement in chapter 1, he says in verse 11, he says this, in him, in Jesus, we have attained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him. Listen to this. The purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So how many things does God work out according to the counsel of his will? All things. According to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. The Apostle Paul writes some very rich, important truths about Jesus Christ in Colossians chapter 1. And he says this, For by him all things were created, for by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Well, that is like a large category. By him all things were created, whether they were visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Wow. And he is also before all things, and in him all things hold together. <laughs> I don't know, just stop, pause, think about this for a second. By him all things were created, amazing list of things, right? Through him, for him. He's before all things, in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He goes on, he says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to, be pre to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Praise be to God. 
This is not a tagline. Jesus is in full control. Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He is transcendent. He is imminent. He's, he has total control and authority, and he is above and beyond us at the same time, intimately engaged with us. I mean, we are saved by his grace through faith. He loves us. He's working good in and for us. And in case there is any question about who is in control, Deo Valente. God is. Jesus is. If the Lord wills, he says, this is what you ought to say. If the Lord wills, we will live. Every single breath that you and I take is from the Lord and it's his hand, in his hands. Every single one. If the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that. And that means if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. And if the Lord wills, we will not do this or that. The outcomes of our life are in totally in the hands of God. So you're saying, oh, whoa, slow down, man. Like, does that mean I'm not supposed to plan anything? Like, am I just, just like, let life pass me by? What happens, happens? Am I, am I just supposed to be passive in this whole process? Well, actually, you know, the Scriptures doesn't say that at all. Scripture is not anti-planning. It's not anti-effort. Actually, that's assumed. We are image bearers of God. And so we, we live with the things that God has given to us. And one of those things is we use our minds. We work through, work through situations. That's what we do. We're creative. We, we do have a level of ingenuity that the Lord has given to us. But there's a connection between our planning and God's control. Look at here in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. I love how you know, James is New Testament wisdom. Proverbs is Old Testament wisdom. Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Okay? The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Next one. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Okay? This is one I really love. Proverbs 21, 31. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord, right? Make it ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. The victory belongs to the Lord. We give our effort, we work hard, we plan well, but don't ever forget. Deo Valente. God's in control, and you and I are not. And if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that, and if you believe that, it will totally transform your outlook on your everyday life with all of its challenges, its problems, the decisions you have to make, the next steps in your life. It'll totally revolutionize the way you look at your life. I was thinking about this just this week, you know, in my own life. Because the Lord wills, I can do these things. I can have confidence that my life is not by chance, but it is by God. I can live in dependence on God. Why? Because he's in control. I can seek to live by God's revealed will. You say, well, what's God's revealed will? What's what we see in scriptures? 
He teaches us how we're supposed to live, what we're supposed to prioritize. Seek first the what? Kingdom of God and his righteousness. We pursue after God's revealed will. Why? Because, I, because I, God's in charge. I mean, he's in control. I can then pray for God's hidden will to be done. That's, what's his hidden will? His hidden will are things, some of the questions that you have to face even this week where the scriptures don't specifically tell you the answer to that question. Right? You can, but you can still trust that God is in control, and you can pray for that kind of outcome. You pray for God's hidden will to be done. Just like the Lord taught us how to pray when he said, pray that, that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. It, I can hold on to my plans with open hands. Why can I hold on to my plans with open hands? Why shouldn't I grasp after my plans? Because God's in control. I make my plans, but God's, he has purposes that are even beyond, beyond me. I can move forward with confidence in the Lord. Why? Because he's in control. I can trust God with the results. Let me just stop there for a second because everything that happens in our life is not like amazing. Some of the things that happen in our life are not pleasant. Some of them are soaked in pain. And yes, it's true. We do not know we do not know the full thoughts of God. We do not know the full thoughts of his mind, but we do know his promises. Romans 8, 28. Those who love God, right? God is doing good in us. He's transforming. He's making us more like Christ, and sometimes he uses those things. We can still trust God because they're his results. He has a purpose. There is a reason. We may not know what that is. And then we can give glory to God for the outcomes because the victory is the Lord's. The victory is the Lord's. Now, James ends this paragraph with an inescapable conclusion in verse 17. He says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. In that one statement, that one sentence, he amps up everything that he's just said. It's, this is not... These, these words are not just words of advice and how to live a better life. No, no, no. He's telling you about how to live before the Lord. And, or, and if you don't live this way, then you are, you are sinning. You're sinning. He less elevates the urgency of what he's just said. When we live our lives like we're in control, when we should be trusting in God who is always in control, we are sinning. We're boasting in our own arrogance when we're relying on ourselves, our own ingenuity, our own abilities, our own efforts. We're boasting arrogantly in those things when we're really fully trusting just in that, when we're trusting in ourselves instead of trusting in the Lord before acknowledging the fact that he is indeed in control. We're sinning. We're separating ourselves from God. That's what sin does. It separates us from God. It's like we're pushing God out of our lives. And so tomorrow when you wake up and you, have, you face these decisions you have to make or you face problems or you face challenges, right? Who, where are you going to place your total trust? Where are you placing your confidence? In your own ability or you're placing it in, in a faith in God and what he's doing that he is totally in control? 
If you choose yourself over God, you are pushing God out of the picture of your life. Our sin keeps us from a holy God. Blessed be God who promised us in 1 John chapter 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as you face the challenges and the questions and the stresses and the new opportunities and the decisions that you have to make and make those next steps, just ask yourself this question. Am I putting my confidence in Jesus, who is in control, Deo Valente, or am I placing it all in my plans, in my efforts, in my abilities? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your, straight, your path straight. Let's pray together. Let's just take a moment right now. I want to ask you to do this and just ask yourself, look at, just look at, the snapshot of your life right now and ask yourself this question am, as I'm living my everyday life am I placing my confidence in myself in my efforts or am I placing it in God <coughs> you may not feel the urgency of that question but you need to Because James warns us, God warns us through his spirit right now that if you're not fully trusting in the Lord, you're not placing your confidence in the Lord for your everyday life, you are sinning. And sin separates you from God. So confess your sin. Seek forgiveness from the Lord of your God, your Father, your Savior who loves to give it freely so Lord I pray for us I pray for us right now that as we examine our lives as the spirit examines our lives right now and makes it evident to us Lord I pray that you would just point out to us you know we say we love you we say we long for you but are we willing to allow you to control? Give us the faith, Lord, no matter what we're facing, to know that you're in control. Yes, Lord, give us the trust and the faith and the ability to believe in you and you alone. Lord, help us just put all of our ambitions and our hopes and our plans, just allow us to surrender those into your hands. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.